Money.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our guest segment. We're super excited to have him back again with us. He joins us several times a year. His blog is The Underground Bunker, and he writes every day about the topic of Scientology. And Tony Ortega, welcome back to Jim Paris Live. There we go. All right. So I kind of set it up a little bit here about the Danny Masterson case, which is what I wanted to start with. I wanted to. Yeah, I want you to explain the backstory on this, because I know this goes back to like the early 2000s, if I understand it right. And what makes this unique, it's not just an actor who's kind of caught up in the whole Me Too movement now that it's no longer okay uh, to take sexual advantage of women because you're famous or you're a director or you're an actor or whatever. That's that's not allowed anymore, and, and it should never have been allowed. But what makes this case unique is that Scientology, being that Danny Masterson is a prominent Scientologist, they kind of jumped into this on his side, and that's a mess for them on a lot of levels. But uh, kind of give us the backstory and, and catch us up to date on this whole situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing some reactions on Twitter to the news that uh, he was arrested. People, uh, you know, they don't they don't know a lot about him other than that he was in that 70s show and on the show called The Ranch. And so they feel like they kind of know this guy and they think, oh, this must just be some ex-girlfriends complaining or something. They don't realize there's this long history to this. As you know, Jim, and these are violent rapes being alleged by multiple women. Um, and the first three women who came forward had all been Scientologists with Danny in the Church of Scientology when these uh, incidents occurred. But I reported that the LAPD in their investigation ended up interviewing seven different women, only three of whom were Scientologists who have uh, sexual assault allegations against um, Danny Madison. The, the DA, the district attorney, ultimately, after a three-year investigation, charged just on those first three. Um, and that's what he's facing uh, 45 years to life for. And wow. I had I had reported two years ago, two years ago, I reported that the managers in that office had signed off on charging him under the strictest, there's a really strict one-strike law in California over sexual assault. And they were looking to send him to prison for 25 life. I, I reported that two years ago. And I know some people thought, oh, Ortega just must be exaggerating or something. No, I mean, she's actually going for 45 to life, this district attorney. And the reason why they're going for such a long sentence is it's the, it's, it's a multiple, it's multiple women, violent rape. And in one of the rapes, uh, the victim alleges that he actually brandished a firearm wow. during the commission of this rape. So he, you know, these are very serious allegations. All these women have very similar allegations that they were semi-conscious. They felt like they'd been drugged. Uh, he anally raped them. And, you know, I mean, there's just in, in these incredible details. Like at that time, 
he was actually performing as a DJ using the name DJ Donkey Punch, which is this uh, coded sort of language for anal rape. I mean, he was he was advertising who he was on stage. Wow. You know, and um, the reason why this is uh, the other question people have is why has this taken so long? If these incidents occurred between 2001 and 2003, why has it taken almost 20 years to come to, to court? And you know, a big part of the reason is Scientology. These women who, who had you know gone to the church with their allegations, Scientology did everything it could to keep them from going to the police. One of the women did go to the police anyway, this, I mean, I, I when I first broke the news of this investigation in 2017, I gave the three victims the names victim A, victim B, and victim C. Victim A then identified herself as Chrissy Cornell Bixler. And the reason she did was that Danny's publicist had named her, and she felt she didn't have any choice then at that point, so she bravely has been using her own name. Victim B and victim C have never been identified. Victim B... After she and, and and the other thing Danny does in his responses, uh, either he or his attorney will sneer at these women and call them bitter ex-girlfriends. Victim B and victim C were never his girlfriends. Victim C just went to see him one time at his house. Victim B, it was a party at his house. And after she alleges that that, that he raped her, she went to Scientology to complain about it. They, Jim, they put her through three months. Of, of science, special Scientology counseling called auditing and sex checking, which is a form of interrogation. They charged her about $15,000 over that period. And it was all designed to convince her not to go to the police. But she did anyway, bravely. She went to the police in June of 2004 and Scientology swarmed the investigation and got it killed. So that's why it's taken so long. And it wasn't until to, uh, the fall of 2016 that Chrissy for the first time realized she was not the only victim and learned about the other two and then the three of them went to the LAPD in October 2016 now to, so, to protect both of us history and a lot of evidence to protect both of us from liability I just want to be fair and say Danny Masterson denies this and I'm sure Scientology denies this is that true Scientology, uh, well, so before it, it, this investigation took so long to reach charges, the women were tired of waiting for the district attorney to um, charge him. And so they actually filed a lawsuit last year. And they, they not only sued Danny, they sued the Church of Scientology. And that lawsuit is not about the rapes. It's about what they say was the ensuing harassment they've gone through hmm. in the last few years since they came forward. Scientology has denied that they've harassed these women. Danny Masson has denied he's harassed these women. And Danny Masson has denied that he raped these women. And he and he's got, you know, uh, he's got uh, some serious lawyers on the on the sort of entertainment civil side. He's got Marty Singer's firm, uh, legendary attorney to the stars, Marty Singer. And then on the criminal side, his defense attorney is Tom Mesereau, who, who wow. uh, you know, got Michael Jackson acquitted but and he but was uh involved with the oj simpson he was an oj simpson lawyer also wasn't he mesero was mesero i don't I, I i don't know about that i just know that he was he he, he was the attorney when when uh, michael jackson was acquitted 
but he was also Bill Cosby's attorney who went to prison. Now, now, so, what, uh, what officially? So he's got you know the best attorney. What officially, Tony Ortega? What officially is the position of Scientology on how women are to be treated? Because we do know that there are some really bizarre religions that basically say that a woman has no rights. A woman's a testimony in court doesn't, uh, you know, get compared similarly to a man's testimony. Women are not looked at as as equal citizens within uh, a lot of um, strange religions. What what is Scientology's official position? I mean, if Danny Masterson were not a famous Scientologist, uh, you know, public person that obviously donates a lot of money and he's sort of in a special class, if he was just Danny Jones um, and there were these claims, w would Scientology, uh, you know, knee jerk take the side of the man or, or what do they normally do in these cases? Scientology wants everything handled in-house and they do not want crimes or, or, or litigation, you know, potential litigation brought to the courts or brought to the authorities. Um, it's, it's considered a high crime to sue another Scientologist. <laughs> and, 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 and uh, Hubbard, I found some early lectures and I talked to Scientologists about this and we looked at the way that, you know, they've got, you know, Scientology relies on a lot of PR that's garbage. One of the things they'll always tell you is that unlike Christianity, uh, in Scientology, Hubbard said that people are basically good. And, and he's referring to, he was, he was a real, uh, he had a real hang up about Catholicism and he, he, you know, he, he was railing, basically he was positioning himself against original sin. And, and he's basically, in his messages, people are basically good. However, that's completely contradicted by his lectures because in Hubbard, see, in Hubbard, in Scientology, we are immortal beings called Satans who have uh, lived countless times inhabiting countless bodies over trillions of years. And because we've lived so many millions and billions and trillions of years, Jim, in Hubbard's philosophy, we have committed every crime imaginable, including the most depraved sex killings of children. I found a lecture where he literally talks about that. And so if you are actually this trillion-year-old being that's committed every crime imaginable, has committed the most disgusting murders, then the, then the result Hubbard suggests is that you should not be snitching on other people. How dare you question somebody for something he's done when you have so many horrible things in your past? And that's how they justify convincing Scientologists not to turn in pedophiles, not to turn in abusers, and how to, and to handle everything inside. And as far as, um, you know, some Scientologists will point out to you that women uh, are in positions of responsibility and that it's slightly more an enlightened organization. On the other hand, you can take a look at their divorce. They, Scientologists get a lot of divorces, and women are encouraged not to handle it in the courts. And so I've, I've heard so many cases of women just get completely destroyed in divorce, Scientology divorces. So there's a lot that's wrong with Scientology regarding the family, regarding the handling of crime. And the way these three women were treated is just a classic Scientology story. Now, is, is this the case that you told me about? I know there have been several of these where they, they did a civil suit and then Scientology tried to invoke this arbitration agreement to to get the suit thrown out because they had signed as Scientologists an agreement 
to handle matters like that within the church. That's right. That's right. And they were successful in a, in a related lawsuit, not this one. But um, it, three times now, or twice now, they have derailed lawsuits uh, when Scientologists have tried to sue the church by saying, well, listen, you signed contracts promising to bring any grievance to an internal justice procedure, hmm. um, uh, religious arbitration. And twice, courts have upheld that. And in the first case, it was a financial thing where a guy, a couple was saying that they had been lied to about, you know, turning over hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they wanted to kind of get their money back. And the court said, no, you got to take this to their, not just to our independent arbitration, which wouldn't be so bad. I mean, you'd have, you know, an independent arbitrator deciding, but Scientology's own internal <laughs> arbitration, where the three arbitrators are Scientologists in good standing. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So that, that case went there. The second case was Leah Remini's assistant, Valerie Haney, who claimed that she'd been kidnapped and was unable to leave the, the, the base and, uh, in, in near Hammond, California. And that judge decided that this was something she had to take the private, you know, uh, religious arbitration inside the church, which we couldn't believe. It's incredible. And so now you've got a case. They're, they're not suing for rape yet. Now, if he gets convicted, they can then sue him for rape. But this lawsuit theirs they filed is about the harassment. But even then, the idea that uh, Church of Scientology, their allegations are the Church of Scientology is surveilling them, killing their pets, uh, you know, <laughs> vandalizing their homes. Um, these are pretty serious allegations, and they need to prove it in court. But Scientology has already filed a motion saying, no, 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 they, they signed these contracts. This, they want the lawsuit kicked out, force them to come to our arbitration instead. That's going to be heard in October. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Of course, now, you know, that lawsuit, I have to say, now that Danny's actually been charged, I think that changes things in favor, and we'll see how that affects the lawsuit. Now, these types of tactics, not killing pets or destroying houses, but just like following people, verbally harassing people, taking pictures, taking video. Um, that's well documented. I mean, that that's not out of left field. They do it to me, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this is and this is not only just documented. It's also part of their official uh, procedures, is it not? That this is they're they're taught that this is what you do. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, because L. Ron Hubbard, everything started with his book, Dianetics, in 1950. And by the mid-50s, what he was really unhappy with was that, see, he claimed initially that it was a science, not a church, and that he had discovered this, he had, he was the first person in history to discover how the human mind actually works, uh, this science fiction writer, right? And, um, and so it was, it had some popularity initially. But then what would happen is, you know, if it, if it was, if it really was a science, the definition of science is that another person could come along and replicate those results. They're not, the scientist doesn't own the discovery. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they get credit for the discovery, but they don't own the science. And, and so he would have these right from the beginning, right in the early fifties, there were splinter groups, right? People would say, Hey, these are cool ideas, Hubbard. Thank you. Now we're going to go do them on our own. And it, that infuriated him. And so by 1955, he was writing a manual of justice with all these, you know, really strict and arcane rules about how to deal with dissenters and, and, and split off groups. And 
he started laying out in black and white all these policies of how to literally destroy people that Scientology just uh, just believed were enemies. I mean, it's very it's very spelled out the the ways he wanted people to use the courts as a weapon uh, to destroy people and to just create rumors about them and to follow them and and so the thing about Scientology is it's all based on what Hubbard wrote and he died in 1986 and they can't change those things so they're still following that playbook that he wrote largely between 1955 and 1965 and uh, I can tell you that you know they they still do it to me they do it to Mike Rinder they do it to Leah Remini they're still following the exact same playbook that Hubbard wrote all those years ago Wow. Wow. And that's one of the parts of the cat and mouse uh, game that you saw on the Leia Rimini broadcast where people were following her actually, you know, in the show that 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 made it kind of exciting. It was almost like watching the old Rockford Files and some of those episodes where they would would confront uh, private investigators and all that. Now, if you're just tuning in, our guest is Tony Ortega. We want you to check out his blog, which is called The Underground Bunker. There's a new story up every day about Scientology. And there's a couple of other big topics I want to get to. Tony, what do you know about Scientology uh, dipping into all of this stimulus money. Now, when I first read this article, I thought, well, you know, everybody's dipping into the stimulus money. uh, So why shouldn't they be able to dip into the money? But when you stand back, though, and think about the enormous wealth that they have, um, even going so far as to hide wealth by you know, uh, erecting giant buildings that sit empty just as a place to to park money uh, in a in a building that that no one uses. Um, that that money would be taken away from someone that might be needier, a legitimate smaller business. Um, it, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that they would want to uh, go to the trough of all that money like uh, a lot of big corporations did. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, look, we're facing a historic crisis. I mean, none of us have been through this. It's an incredible situation we're in. And I feel for these small business owners. I mean, you know, suddenly, I mean, some some businesses are thriving, right? There are certain things that are doing well. But other businesses, they're just like, they're just totally shut down. And how do you pay your employees? And so this was a way for, for business owners to get a payroll loan to keep paying these poor employees during this crisis, well, the reason why I knew my readers would be outraged to find out that Scientology had gotten these loans is they don't pay their people anything. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. Scientology payroll, Scientology payroll's nothing. I mean, these people get paid less than minimum wage when they get paid at all. And uh, the way Scientology gets around labor laws is they just call them all religious workers. So it's just it's just outrageous that Scientology applied for these loans. Now I remember when the if you remember there was some initial releases of who got PPP loans, and I remember thinking, oh, I need to get my hands on the whole list. I'm sure Scientology's going to be in there. And then yeah, sure enough, it it, it came out that afternoon. And I started diving through. I found three Scientology churches, two Narcanon rehabs, and a, and and a front group they called the, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. This is their craziest front group. This is the one that believes that the entire mental health field needs to be destroyed. And they actually have a, a, a museum on Sunset Boulevard called Psychiatry and Industry of Death. <laughs> and uh, I, I can tell you that the people that work there are, you know, life life or Scientologists who get paid nothing. And so for this organization to get a payroll loan from the government, 
I mean, it's just outrageous. Now, are these these loans, I guess, are forgiven as long as you do certain things with the money. So this is not probably in their playbook to ever pay this money back, but to somehow show the documentation somehow to be able to not have to pay this money back because they would probably not really sign up for a loan that would have to be paid back. There would be no reason for them to do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean we all we all know that that most of these loans are not coming back and, and that's kind of the nature of the beast. I, I'm not I'm not gonna be down with businesses that don't pay them back. I mean that's we kinda knew that was going on. But these guys should never have applied in the first place, you know? And uh it's not it's not a gigantic amount of money. I mean I added it all up and it's it's between like two and five million dollars. But again, these are organizations that pay their people nothing. And and it's just it's just so outrageous they got this money. Now, the last time you were with us, we talked about uh, coronavirus in Scientology, and we started with the discussion that Scientologists don't believe that people get sick from external forces, that if you're sick, it's because of something just that, that is wrong with your mind or the way that you're thinking or or whatnot, uh, that we cause ourselves to be sick from the inside out, no external forces. So that would then lay the predicate that who cares about COVID-19 or coronavirus because we don't really get sick from external things. But yet Scientology embraced the COVID-19 and actually tried to turn this into some type of a PR campaign. Tell us a little bit more about that and, and any update on that, if they're still doing that. And maybe if they've taken that maybe to the next level, uh, their whole um, promotion of of COVID-19 and being safe and all of these things and using that sort of as, as leverage to promote themselves. Yeah. They, like you said, they, they saw an opportunity in it. I mean, it was, um, the crisis landed home for them, uh, probably about the same that if you remember, it was that second week of March is when things were finally, you know, really starting to happen. And, um, for them, it was uh, that they had to cancel their Friday night, March 13th, L. Ron Hubbard birthday celebration, which is basically their holiest event of the entire year. And the uh, church leader, David Miscavige, was absolutely livid. He he wrote this secret bulletin, and then all Scientologists were asked to come down to the org to read it, which, of course, was, you know, uh, you wouldn't be having people come down to into a building to read something if you're really concerned about the virus. But anyway, um, he was just, I, I managed to get my hands on a copy and it was, um, he, he was just so upset. And then, but he, you know, he tried to turn it into a public relations opportunity for them. They started have they have this massive printing plant and distribution center in Commerce, California and Los Angeles County. Um, and they just started putting out, they put, they very quickly assembled this little booklet with just really generic advice. Wash your hands, keep your distance, wear a mask. The stuff that we had already been hearing for weeks, Jim, right? I mean, all the health <laughs> people have been telling us about this to keep safe. And they put together this little booklet. They have printed this thing by the millions and shipped it everywhere on the globe. And then what these Scientologists do is they put on I mean, they kind of look like hazmat suits, but I think they're probably just painter suits, you know, and uh, and then masks and shields and gloves. And they, they do they put I call it cosplay. Right. I mean, they're just they're just they're just overdoing it. And then they go door to door to hand out these pamphlets, hoping that people mistake them for a government or health you know, official effort. 
And it's and it's backfired on them spectacularly in a few places. Australia's onto them. New Zealand's onto them. Um, some places in Europe are onto them. But you know, time and again, I see them getting you know pats on the back from government officials in Utah or South Africa. Um, you know, they're very clever about this. I I, I don't think they for one minute uh, think that the coronavirus is real. But they have decided this is the way they can make themselves look like they're part of the solution. All right. Now, a couple more stories from your blog. And by the way, folks, if you want to get to the blog, you'll go to TonyOrtega.org. And if you have a feed reader like I use Feedly, uh, which is a great feed reader, you can just subscribe and then you'll get the daily uh, link every day in your feed reader. That's how I read the blog. Tell me about this ex-con that says Scientology is dead, and he claims that he's the reincarnated reincarnated L. Ron Hubbard. He looks like he's had uh, maybe a, a few too many meals while he was in prison. Uh, this guy's pre- a pretty big guy. Uh, but uh, t- tell me what his story is. He claims he's the reincarnated L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, this guy this guy showed up a couple of years ago, and uh, I also keep an eye on the independent Scientology field a little bit. These are people that have left the church, but they still have an affinity for L. Ron Hubbard and his quote technology. And uh, so this this guy showed up in the Pacific Northwest. There's kind of a little small hotbed of of independent Scientology up there, and he actually convinced some people. That he was the reincarnated L. Ron Hubbard. Well, you know, you know, reincarnation. They, would, they don't call it that, but past lives is is a, a bedrock principle of Scientology. And I'm told by several ex- Scientologists that it really wasn't that unusual for people to show up and claim to be L. Ron Hubbard. But this guy got a little momentum going, and um, I heard about him, and so I messaged him, and he actually messaged me back, and we had a little conversation on. Facebook Messenger, and I thought it was hilarious. I posted it because I asked him a question that L. Ron Hubbard should know, and he got it wrong. <laughs> he got the name of his wife wrong. And I was like, well, you know, shouldn't you know the name of him? <laughs> and then he got flustered. He said, well, I don't really remember my life as L. Ron Hubbard. I'm like, well, if you don't remember your life as L. Ron Hubbard, how do you know you were him? And he claimed it's because he's so good at Scientology. I mean, it was just such a but but what was the most important thing was I looked up his record, and he had this long criminal record. I mean, he spent four years in prison for threatening a public official. He 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 spent time in prison for attempted carjacking and for and car theft. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, he he's he's got quite a record. Yeah, so maybe um, he's anyway, the uh, reincarnation. An eye on him. Maybe he's the reincarnation of Jesse James or something. He just got the got well, the name I wrong. Guess, but, I, anyway, I, I keep an eye on him every once in a while. I wrote a news story because now he's suddenly really sort of having a revolt on his hands. And people, the, the indies are, have decided that he's not LRH. And anyway, it's just, you know, drama in this sort of tiny, tiny little splinter group of ex-Scientologists. Tell me about this story of Brian Statler. Now, um, oddly enough, I've actually run I had run across this guy online a couple of times over the years, and I won't get into it on really? tonight's on tonight's show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably get into it on another show and maybe I can talk to you about it, uh, off air sometime, uh, in, involved with, with another, uh, investigation that I did into some financial things. Um, but, but I did not know, is, is it the case that he is deceased now and there's an investigation? Yeah, this is, this is one of those strange ones. This is one of those strange ones, Jim, that for some reason, 
I am the only journalist covering this. And the Los Angeles Times seems to have no interest in this. It's so bizarre. This guy, Brian Statler, showed up at the Inglewood Church of Scientology in, uh, I think it was March last year. He was driving a white Bentley with dealer plates. And witnesses claim that he came into the store, the church with a, wielding a samurai sword. Now, I've, we've got, heard some, uh, contradictory evidence to that, that, that there was, there actually was a sword there at, bizarrely, and he might have picked that up during an argument or something. We don't know yet. The thing that's so, that's so frustrating is the Inglewood police will not put out any information. Because they apparently showed up, shot this guy dead, and ended up hurting these two policemen, ended up shooting each other in crossfire. And they've never admitted to that, but we believe that's what happened. And that's why Inglewood police have been so quiet for a full year. All we got out of the city was Brian Statler, 30 years old. I had to find everything else out through other sources. And uh, I just got his uh, an interview with his sister uh, last week. Um, the family has filed a, a wrongful death lawsuit. Um, his sister filled in some new information for us last week. It's just bizarre that a black man in Inglewood gets shot dead by police in a Scientology church, and there's zero information at the L.A. Times yeah. or any of the other L.A. Uh, news organizations. Now, if he's the same Brian Statler, and he sure looks like it from the picture, he was actually a you know, fairly prominent uh, guy on social media at one time. and. Uh, I, I ran across – I recognize his face right away when I saw your, your story here. But, uh, you know, really? I, I have nothing negative to say about him. It's just that we happened to cross paths a couple of times in a story uh, that I was following. And uh, he just – I think he has a quite a quite a social media following. But I'm going to double check to see if he might be uh, the very same guy uh, that I that I thought he might be. I did not know that he was deceased. But – uh, very very interesting story. And, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if it's the same guy, Jim, because when I looked him up, I didn't find a whole lot on social media. Okay, maybe it's not the so same guy. Maybe it's a different guy. But it is. Yeah. It is fascinating, though. Um, you make a point in another article that Scientology does seem to have an in with some of these police departments, in particular the LAPD. Um, how do they do that? Are, are they threatening legal action, and, and as a result, they they just are not. Um, they're they're not pursued by law enforcement. Do they are they do they have Scientologists inside these governments that help them in that way? What's think, your theory on that? I think they just really work at it. You know, I think any large organization in a in a in a city like Los Angeles is going to reach out to uh, police and politicians. I mean, they all do it. It's not there's nothing inherently wrong with say a big Catholic church or a big um, uh, business trying to develop good relations with the local law enforcement or local politicians, that's, it's okay. Except that Scientology has so many controversies and, and, and reported abuses. Um, it's kind of surprising to see how effective they are at developing these relationships with the LAPD in particular. And that um, uh, law enforcement, seems so reluctant to investigate Scientology and go after them. And we know that's the case. Uh, we talked to former law enforcement people. Uh, Mike Render, Mike Render put it the best, I think, at one point. He was saying, look, if you're, you know, you're some mid-level 
uh, official at a law enforcement agency and you've heard these allegations, you've seen the evidence, you're thinking about launching an investigation in Scientology, you have to make a decision that that's basically going to be the rest of your career. Because if you take on Scientology with a major investigation, you're going to be fighting with their lawyers for the next 10 years. And so law enforcement agencies look at that and think of the expense and the time and, and the fact that they're they're going to be investigated and maybe their pets will start disappearing. <laughs> and, you know, law enforcement just doesn't want to have anything to do with Scientology. Meanwhile, Scientology's working them, you know, you know, they would give the LAPD $20,000 every December for their youth uh, programs uh, as a Christmas donation every year. And then they would, you know, involve and, and we got a hold of some emails showing about how they stroke each other and, you know, try to maintain this, you know, friendly relationship. It's just really kind of depressing that that's all it takes. I mean, people always ask me, are the cops on the payroll or anything? No, it's never, I don't think it's ever that blatant. I think that Scientology is really good at what they call safe pointing. And the police, unfortunately, just uh, would rather have this easy relationship than think about, oh, God, we got to take these guys on. You know, it's going to be very difficult. It's really frustrating. Final question. What's what do you see happening uh, here next? I, I know that isn't one of their big events like their Christmas event or something filmed uh, much earlier in the year. Uh, do you see the coronavirus preventing their normal schedule of events that they have around the world, in particular the uh, uh, the the annual um, what is it the uh, New Year's event that's that's the big deal that's always filmed early. The big yeah the big event that got canceled was the March thirteenth L one hundred birthday event. The next really big one on the calendar is called Maiden Voyage, which they hold on their cruise ship in 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 late June or early July. I have not heard yet whether they did that or not, and I'm waiting to hear if they pulled that off or not. It would be difficult for them given the uh, circumstances. So then the next big event traditionally is their October IAS uh, gala in England, and that's another super important one to them because that's when all the big donors come in and get and get celebrated for all their donations. And so that will be interesting to see if they can pull that off in October and then, yes, as you were pointing out, New Year's Eve is a big one for them, which they film a couple of weeks early in Los Angeles and pretend it's New Year's Eve. Uh, so these, all these events are up in the air, you know, just like for everybody else as far as what the, you know, the coronavirus is going to allow. Very good. I, I haven't been over to Clearwater in maybe a year, year and a half. I'm curious to go over there and just see if Tom Cruise is really walking the streets there. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll run into him. He's supposedly in England right now filming the next Mission Impossible movie. Um, so I don't I don't think there's been any sightings of him in Clearwater lately. All right. Very good. Tony Ortega, tell us how people can get in touch with you, follow your website and, and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, join us at the Underground Bunker, TonyOrtega.org. We've got a new story every morning at 7 a.m. and we've got a great commenting community. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Ortega 94. Very good. Tony Ortega, thank you so much. We hope you come back again soon. God bless, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. Talk to you later. You know, I don't know what it is about Scientology. I, I can't get enough of it. Ever since I started watching that Leia Remini show, I can't get enough of it. I'm just I'm just fascinated by it. I don't know. Uh, send me an email if you think I'm nuts. Uh, but I'll tell you what. Every time I do a show on this, I know it's not just me. Because every time I do a show on this, we put it out on social media and it just explodes. I mean, everybody 
wants to hear what is going on with Scientology. Uh, check out Tony's blog, TonyOrtega.org. Uh, lots of fun stuff there to read and a new story for you every day. Next week, Keith Comos is here as we continue our uh, discussion into the fascinating case of the Golden State Killer. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.